Welcome to Gospel Mission Church's message podcast. We pray that as you listen, you will be encouraged in your journey and that your relationship with Father God will be strengthened and deepened. Here's this week's message from Pastor Brenton. Well, uh, today I'm going to be continuing the series that we've been in called A Beautiful Mess. And we called the series A Beautiful Mess because that's what you are. Uh, <laughs> That's what I am. And that's what the church in, in Corinth kind of was, well, was as well. When you read through Corinthians, you're like, whoa, these people are, are going through all kinds of stuff. And there's a lot of messy scenarios. But they had put their faith in Jesus Christ. And they were a body of believers that were redeemed. Because so they were beautiful, but they were a bit of a mess as well. And I think if we're honest with ourselves, we'll put ourselves in that same camp. I'm beautiful and redeemed by the Lord, but my life can be a bit of a mess. Um, so today I'm going to be looking at, and we'll jump right into 1 Corinthians 8. We'll be looking at that whole chapter, uh, bouncing to Romans 14, because it's, it's very similar, a little different, but very similar, and then also touching on chapter 9 as well. Um, so let's jump right in. Uh, now food sacrificed to idols. Can you guys relate with that? You go to a superstore and you, you, you're trying to buy some steak. And there's a stamp on there, sacrifice to an idol. Has that ever happened to you? It ha okay, a few people, me? Um, it hasn't. But this was a, an issue going on in the day, right? There, there were many, many uh, pagan temples of, of worship and many idols and, and much meat sacrificed to the idols. The idols were, never had a big appetite. So there was food left over um, that was sold in the marketplace that they would actually serve a meal at that uh, temple feast. And, um, and then there was uh, um, the people of Corinth wrote to Paul, hey, Paul, these idols aren't anything. These idols aren't actually, it's, it's just a piece of wood. So that would mean that this, this meat isn't actually sacrificed to anything. And so we could eat it, right? These other people were thinking, if I eat this idol, because they're coming, they're new believers that come from a polytheistic culture, right? They've, they have been thinking there's been more than one God their whole life. And now when they see this meat sacrificed to an idol, they firmly have a belief that 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 deity would be inside of them if they ate the idol. So, so you have two believers here with drastically different thoughts. And, and Paul is talking to the, the people in uh, Corinth who are writing to him saying, hey, we know that, that the idols aren't real. We know that. These, these fools don't. And so this is what, what he's addressing. So he says, now food sacrifice to idols. We know that we all possess knowledge, but knowledge puffs up while love builds up. Those who think they know something do not yet know as they ought to know, but whoever loves God, loves God is known by God. Paul is correcting these people of Corinth because of their superior knowledge. They are actually true in believing that these idols are nothing, um, and, and if you eat this meat, it's not like a demon will enter your, your body, but they were, they were not handling this knowledge in the right way with, with love towards their brothers and sisters in that community. So Paul is saying, eh, you don't know as much as you should know. I like how the message puts it, but knowing isn't everything. If it becomes everything, people end up as know-it-alls who treat others as know-nothings. Real knowledge is not that insensitive. What a good word for us, right? And I, I can relate to this in my own life. Uh, the time in my life where I 
I was the, I thought I was the smartest when I was 16 years of age. I've never thought myself to be smarter than when I was 16. That's kind of dangerous, right? Everyone else was, didn't know much, and I had superior knowledge over, over my youth leader, over my parents, pretty much over my teachers, pretty much everyone was inferior to me. Well, uh, as life progressed, I realized I don't know lots. <laughs> I, need to, I need to learn that, uh, and, and as life progresses, I, I feel more dumb, and, and like I, I need to know lots, and that's a good thing. Because hopefully, I'm, I'm, I'm learning humility, and I didn't have humility when I thought I knew everything, right? So if our knowledge, and sometimes as the body of Christ, I think we can aim for intellectual knowledge and say, if I know, I just know my Bible better than everyone, then that's what I'm called to do. And uh, I can preach a sermon here today, and it can be very intellectually stimulating, and this one might be. But if that makes you lord over other people and makes you look down on other people, you actually now don't really know and have the knowledge that God wants you to have. Amen? Bit of a danger for all of us, I think. I love what it says. I think it relates so well. James 3.17, but wisdom from above. You really want knowledge? Like, wisdom from above is first of all pure. It's peace-loving. It's gentle at all times. It's willing to yield to others. It's full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism and it's always sincere. Do you see here? Real knowledge isn't just a head knowledge. It's a heart knowledge that that allows us to know things but exercise the fruit of the spirit. It's a transformational knowledge. So my goal here on a Sunday morning isn't just to fill your head with facts. Hopefully, it's the, I want to see the Holy Spirit, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, transform your heart, right? I'll speak to your head, and you'll learn things, and that's good, but if it's not affecting your heart, then it's really not the wisdom that's from above, right? Because that's the wisdom from above. Man, so good. I love that message there. Um, I wish uh, 16-year-old me heard that um, back, but I, I'm sure I did hear, and I didn't care. Um, <laughs> moving on, let's 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 carry on in this chapter. So then, about eating food sacrificed to idols, we know that an idol is nothing in all the world, and that there is no god but one God. That's the truth, right? For even though there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth. As indeed there are many gods and many lords, yet there is but one God, the Father, from whom all things. Uh, came and for whom we live, and there is one Lord Jesus Christ through whom all things came and through whom we live, but not everyone possesses this knowledge. Some people are so accustomed to idols that when they eat sacrificial food, they think of it as if having been sacrificed to a god. Since their conscience, and actually they would believe if they ate that, they would be worshiping that god and that, that deity would probably be inside of them because that, that deity would attach itself to that meat. So since their conscience is weak, they, they're not knowledgeable here, it is defiled. But, the food, but food doesn't bring us near to God. We are no worse off if we don't eat or better off if we do. You have a burger, you don't have a burger, it's not going to make you more holy. Um, But be careful. That's the truth, right? But be careful anyway, however, that the exercising of your rights doesn't become a stumbling block to the weak. 
For if someone with a weak conscience sees you with all your knowledge eating at the idol's temple, won't that person be emboldened to eat what uh, is sacrificed to idols? So this weak brother and sister from whom Christ died is destroyed by your knowledge. This is confu- it was confusing the early people because if they saw Christians uh, at the pagan temple, they would say, is it okay to worship other gods too? I thought I was only supposed to worship Jesus, but now you're like this Christian is showing me I can worship other gods. So they're they're getting confused. And actually later Paul pulls back and says, Well, when you offer like these pagan temples, there's demonic activity. So we probably shouldn't even eat at these pagan temples. I remember when I was in India and, and we were trying to pray for people, we were in the, the temple of the god of uh, lust and death. Uh, not a good place just to, ha- to have a feast, right? And we wanted to preach the gospel and see people be set free, but probably not the greatest place just to sit down and, and, uh, and join in with their worship, right? Not, that's not good. So Paul does pull back on that in, in chapter 10. But he's giving us this principle here of, of, of being careful and considerate with our brothers. And he says, when you sin against them in this way, you wound their weak conscience and you sin against Christ. That's pretty intense. Therefore, if what I eat causes my brother and sister to fall in sin, I will never eat meat again, so I will not cause them to fall. So Paul is really saying here, there are, there are things, uh, like I said before, there are things that aren't bad or good. Is a cheeseburger from McDonald's bad or good? Well, it's not good for you, but again, you can eat the cheeseburger in your freedom in Christ. Um, and you can choose that to say, hey, I'm not going to do this. Um, and so, uh, in these matters that aren't inherently sinful or good, we will fall on different scales. I'm sure there's a Christian out there that would believe if I eat a cheeseburger from McDonald's, that is not what God has called me to do. That's okay. That's okay that, that, that that's the belief that, that they have. What we need to do as Christians, actually, and what we're called to do is follow our convictions on these matters, Right? When it comes to matters that aren't inherently good or aren't inherently bad, like I would say cheeseburger from McDonald's, I'm just using that analogy, follow your conviction. Because there's a principle that anything not done out of faith is sin. In Romans 14 it says, but whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats because he's not eating from faith. For whatever doesn't proceed from faith is sin. Now Paul's not saying here, I want to be really clear, Paul's not saying here that, hey, you don't, you think stealing's okay? Oh, well, you can steal. If it's not against your conscience, go, go for it. I bless you. That's not what Paul is saying. If we read 1 Corinthians 6, it's really clear. Paul lists a bunch of sins and says these people aren't going to inherit the kingdom of God. So Paul's not talking about matters of, of sin here. He's talking about matters where, where they, they fall in this place of, is it good? Is it bad? Well, I don't know. Is Instagram good? Is it bad? It can be used for both, right? So Christians and believing Christians will fall in different places in these areas and have their own convictions, and we need to follow our, our convictions. Um, and so uh, in Romans 14, Paul's talking about 
sacred days. One person considers one day more sacred than another. Another considers every day alike. So in Romans 14, Paul is writing to the Roman church about Jews. And, and Jews said, I must celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles. And all of these holy days, I must celebrate them. Then you have a whole other camp of Christians that says, I'm going to celebrate Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Amen. So what do you do here? Do you have both sides trying to quarrel and convince each other? No. Each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind, right? Because it doesn't really matter. The truth is that it's, you can follow another camp and just follow God and follow your convictions because we're not talking about sin here, right? So let's look at what Paul says about food in, in Romans 14 as well. And here he's not talking about necessarily food sacrifice to idols, but the Jewish people that, that they came to faith in Christ, they believe that Christ saved them, but they're still following, you know, they're still not eating bacon. Um, therefore, let's not pass judgment on another any longer. So Paul, what Paul doesn't want is the Jews to, who are saved to be over here and be like, those pagan Gentiles, they just ate a Big Mac with bacon. That is defiling them, right? no. It's not a matter of sin. Don't judge them. And he didn't want the Jewish or the, the Gentiles here to be like, hello, I got some bacon for you. Do you want to eat it? It's, have you eaten bacon before? It's so good, like way better than broccoli, right? He didn't want that to be happening in the church because we're not talking about matters of sin here. He, he wanted um, respect for one another, and I'll just read what he wants. But rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in way of another brother. I know I'm persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing's unclean in of itself. This is the truth. But if it's unclean for anyone who thinks it's unclean, then it's unclean. For, your brother is gr for if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you're no longer walking in love. So Paul didn't want the Gentiles to be lording that bacon over the Jews, and he didn't want the Jews to be looking down and judging these people who have freedom in their conscience to eat bacon. Um, so the question here, and it's a hard question to answer, is what, what is a stumbling block? What, what is that? And before I try to explain it, I need you to, to repeat after me. Brenton will not answer all of my questions about this today. <laughs> Y'all think I'm joking. Can you repeat after me? <laughs> the first service didn't either. Okay, um, I'll try another one. Uh, repeat after me. I, I need to take everything he says and use common sense and apply wisdom. I feel really good now. I can continue. Um, I actually love, I, I read this, just the, uh, I, it was too late to put in the PowerPoint. Paul says in chapter 10, I, I speak to sensible people, judge for yourselves what I say. As soon as I read that, you're like, yeah, I'm speaking to sensible people, so I'm good. So again, I'm gonna try as best as I can to explain what is and what isn't a, a stumbling block here, because it can be a term that is uh, misused. First of all, a stumbling block should never put us under and back under the law. It should never rob our Christian freedom and never rob the righteousness that Christ purchased us, right? We're, we're not saved through our actions. We're saved through our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, amen? 
Amen? So um, in, in, if you read Galatians, what was actually happening is that people who thought they were believers, they believed in Jesus, but they also believed, well, I believe in Jesus and you have to do these other things to be saved. And so they, they talked to Titus and they were saying, hey, Titus, Jesus is cool, but unless you're circumcised, you won't be saved. That's wrong. This was a, the stumbling block for these people was actually Christ and the grace and freedom um, that, that he, he truly, you're saved by faith through grace, right? That was the stumbling block. And so Paul was saying to Titus, don't do it. Do not get circumcised because that's going to give a message to all the believers that, that you need Christ and your good works to be saved. And that is not the gospel, right? So a stumbling block is not meant to put us under, back under the law. And then Paul said, Timothy, I booked your appointment next week. You're getting circumcised. And we'll get to why a bit later. It's really interesting. Um, and, and this stumbling block shouldn't put a heavy yoke on us as believers as well. In Acts 15, the Gentiles are being saved, and, and they talk about this. Hey, let's not put a heavy yoke that we couldn't even bear ourselves, or our ancestors couldn't bear. And you have the Pharisees, as the disciples are, are going through the fields, they're picking grain on the Sabbath, and the Pharisees are like, you're sinning. I'm offended. This is, this is bad. This is evil. But, but this was ridiculous. Like, what are you supposed to do on the Sabbath? Just sit on a chair and not blink? For the Pharisees, practically, it was a heavy yoke. And so we, we can't overextend the stumbling block argument into putting us back under a heavy yoke and burden, right? A stumbling block is also not just something that offends your brother and sister, or something that they don't agree with, right? There, there could be, so let's say after this sermon this morning, someone pulls me aside and says, Brenton, you, you must wear a tie. You must wear a tie. I'm offended that you're not wearing a tie. It's not showing respect. Um, do I now have to wear a, wear a tie? No, I don't know how wearing a tie is enticing them into sin. And then also, if I look around in this auditorium, people are so free to wear ties, but we're free not to wear ties. I don't see a single tie. So I'm going to minister to you guys without a tie, right? Now, here's the thing. If I get invited to a, another church and they said, hey, something that we, we like to do in, in this church is have a minister wear a tie, I, I think I'll lay down my right not to wear a tie and, and wear a tie for that church, right? We, when, when I went to India, everyone on our team had to wear pants. It was 44 degrees and humid. I do not want to wear pants, right? And when we were alone, we would wear shorts as a team. But as we were out in public ministering, we laid down our rights to, to wear shorts and we wore pants and we sweat. But because we weren't there to project our convictions on their house and, and their church, right? We wanted to respect and, and honor them. And so... So again, uh, what I would say a stumbling block is, it's, it's, it's not just offending people, but through participation in an action in front of a person, I'm directly enticing them to participate in that same action, and that's something that's against their conscience, and this is where I could potentially be a stumbling block. So while I have freedom, I want to exercise my freedom with others in mind. Right? In 1 Corinthians 8, in the message translation, I like how it says this, God does care when you use your freedom carelessly in a way that leads a fellow believer still vulnerable to those old associations to be thrown off track. 
For instance, you say you flaunt your freedom by going to the banquet in honor of the idols, where the main course uh, of meat is sacrificed to the idols. There's great danger of someone struggling over this issue. Someone who looks up to you as knowledgeable and mature sees you go to the banquet. The danger is that he will become terribly confused, maybe even to the point of getting mixed up with what his conscience is telling him is wrong. But it But it does make a difference when you hurt your friend terribly, risking his eternal ruin. When you hurt your friend, you hurt Christ. A free meal here isn't worth it at the cost of even one of these weak ones, right? And so I think our modern day examples aren't as extreme here today per se, Because again, back in the day, you were dealing with people coming from a polytheistic culture, and you were dealing with very new Jewish converts. So all these issues were were very ingrained in their heads, and it was very hard to wrap their heads around. But I think today we can still take a lot of good things um, from this. Um, And I'll, I'll name an example, too, of how I think this should play out today. Look at alcohol, right? Are we free to drink alcohol? Is alcohol a sin? No, alcohol is not a sin. We are free to drink alcohol if it's not against our conscience. Uh, is, is being drunk a sin? Whether I feel it, if, let's, say, let's say I feel in my conscience getting drunk's not a sin. Is, is getting drunk a sin? Yeah, because it's clearly outlined in the word of God. Yeah, yeah, right? So we don't need to ask my conscience, I, I feel okay with this. God, are you? No, no, read your Bible, know your Bible, be scriptural, right? We, we can't go there at all. Then we're ruling our own lives and we're led by our conscience instead of the word of God. <clears throat> but drinking alcohol is okay. But are there people probably, I would assume there's people in this room that have said before God, I'm not gonna drink alcohol. I don't think it's a good idea to drink alcohol. Should they follow that conviction in their heart? They absolutely should. They absolutely should. Now do we take that conviction and make it a blanket rule in the whole community? Hey, GMC, word got out. Someone doesn't drink alcohol, shut it all down. No, but do we wanna be sensitive towards that person? When that person comes to our house and we have a knowledge of, of this decision in their heart, should we pour them a glass of wine? or drink a glass of wine in front of them when it's a real temptation, when they've struggled with this issue, that wouldn't be right. So I need to be sensitive. Even though I have a right to drink alcohol, I wanna lay down my right in front of this person, right? Uh, At the same time, this person, because alcohol is not necessarily a sin, this person shouldn't shout at the rooftops, none of you can drink alcohol. If I see an alcohol beverage, it will make me stumble, so get rid of it all. That shouldn't happen, right? Paul says, why is my freedom being judged by another's conscience? So don't project your conscience about things that aren't inherently evil onto other people, right? And so, uh, again, we can take this stumbling block thing and and make it too extreme, Um, but we do want to be sensitive. Secular music. Some people say, I can listen to secular music, and other people say, I don't want to. I can listen to it if it's not against my conscience, but if you're in my car, I don't want to blast it, or if you're driving by, I turn the Beatles up, hey, hey, that's not, 
That's insensitive, and my heart isn't filled with love and consideration towards my brother, right? And that makes me wrong, actually. Um, Instagram, right? Instagram's a thing where I'm like, I don't know if I'm the weak brother, but I ended up just scrolling, 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 wasting all my time, going back to that app too many times. I, I fasted it during a fast and said, I think I'm happier without Instagram. So I'm like, I'm, I'm done with it. I'm not going to preach that to you because you might be using it in an awesome way. You could be encouraging brothers and sisters in the Lord through that platform. It's not inherently evil or bad. So I'm not going to project what I believe onto you. I think we can preach about being healthy about it. Right? And, and for sure, you know, you can, you can look at pornography on Instagram. You can do all of these things that are evil. But again, it's not inherently evil. So, so we can live with each other even though we fall in different areas in these ways and still build each other up. Amen? I'm just rambling here. But what is, what is Paul wanting us to take away from all of these things? First of all, if your knowledge puffs you up, you don't know a lot. That's not true knowledge. If your knowledge is, is making you higher than everyone else, try to learn what true knowledge really is in the kingdom of God, right? Because knowledge doesn't make us better than anybody else. We need to be people that are humble. Again, wisdom from above is pure, peace-loving, gentle at all times, willing to yield to others, full of mercy, and the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism. It's always sincere. The next question that Paul wants us to take away is, are you willing to lay down your freedom and rights for others, Christ, and the gospel? And this is where sometimes we can get offended by just me saying that. Are you telling me that I can't have a glass of wine? Are you telling me this? Are you telling me this? I'm not telling you anything. I'm giving you these principles and telling you to be wise about them. But here's a news flash. You don't belong to yourself. You belong to Christ. So we need to be willing to lay it all down at the feet of Jesus, whatever God's asking us to. Paul says in this passage, if not eating meat makes my brother stumble, I'll never eat meat again. He's not saying that he won't eat meat again, but he's saying I'm willing to do whatever it takes in chapter 9, Paul talks to the church in Corinth, and he says this, if others have this right of support from you, shouldn't we have it all the more? Other people were collecting money from the church of Corinth, and they had every right to do that because Paul lays out a biblical principle that if you get the gospel preached, it's fine that you make a living off of that. So Paul says, hey, hey, Corinth, I could tell you to show me the money. Show me the money. I have every right, Corinth, to say, hey, pay up. This is what my fees are. But he laid down that right. But we did not use this right. On the contrary, we put up, uh, we put up with anything rather than hinder the gospel of Christ. It would have been a hindrance to his ministry of preaching the gospel in Corinth to, to hold the right that he had to collect wages from them. So he laid down that right so the gospel could advance. And he later continues this thought, verse 19, though I'm free and belong to nobody, I've made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. Paul laid down his life, right? And we as believers, we're, we're called to do the same. We're called to be willing to lay it all down. 
We have a Daniel fast coming up, and um, what I don't want to do in the Daniel fast is, hey, hey God, I'm fasting Instagram this year. Well, I'm not even on Instagram. It's not really a sacrifice for me, right? I, and I, what I don't want to do before God is, God, you're not asking me to fast coffee. No, 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 no. Can't be. That, that can't be it. I don't know why I'm saying this, because now I'm going to have to fast coffee. My wife will hold me to that. But I should be willing to fast coffee. I should be willing to lay down my rights. I should be willing to serve you and, and, and be filled with love and lay it all down for the sake of the gospel, right? And Paul says, to the Jews, I become like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I become like under the law. To the Gentiles, I become the Gentiles and, and all of these things. And Paul's not saying that I, I sin in front of them. You know, I'm going to hang out with my buddies and get drunk because that will share the gospel to them. No, that's not what he's talking about. But this is where it comes back to Timothy. Timothy was, was circumcised, right? Titus wasn't, but Timothy was because Timothy was called to preach the gospel to the Jewish people. To preach the gospel to the Jewish people, he needed to enter the synagogue. To enter the synagogue, he needed to be circumcised. Did Timothy have a right not to be circumcised? He had that right. Would it have been wrong if he got circumcised thinking that it was now saving him? That would have been wrong. But Timothy knew he was saved through Christ, but he also knew that he was called to his Jewish brethren. So he took the sacrifice and laid down his rights. And we want to do the same thing in our life, right? Sometimes I, I, I feel God, you know, I, I remember when I wasn't a... Uh, uh, just a Bible student that was working at church in a lot of debt and I had a, a bit of money that I'd saved up at my parents' place. I remember, remember God calling me, Brenton, would you be willing to give this away? And I was like, well, I'm saving up for a house. I'm wanting to get married. I, I need to buy another car. Are, are you asking me to give this up, God? But God was testing me, no, are you willing to? Right? And I think this is the message that Paul's trying to get across, that we need to be willing to lay down our rights for others. We need to be willing to lay down our rights um, so that we can preach the gospel and be sensitive towards our brothers and sisters um, who, who's, who, who could be led into sin if we, if we flaunt our freedoms in front of them. That's a, that's a call that we all have to do, to lay down our right and lay down our whole life before God. And if that's offended you this morning, then you check your heart. If you respond hearing this message saying, well, I don't want to lay this down. I'm not saying you have to lay it down, but it exposes our heart, right? Sometimes it exposes our heart. Well, God, I should be willing to lay it all down, right? Everything down at your feet. My life is yours, God. And that's how we want to live. Last thing Paul is saying is, can we live in unity and learn to love each other, even when we see things dif differently on these matters that aren't inherently evil or good, they're disputable. Without saying, I know more than these vegetable-eating Jews, that's wrong. That your knowledge is puffing you up and making you higher than other people, you're wrong. Without quarreling over disputable matters, in Romans 14, 1, it says, as for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not just to quarrel over opinions. Hey, welcome here, Jewish brother. We're having a big plate of bacon. That's not loving. 
right? And this Jewish brother shouldn't, shouldn't be doing the same, judging, judging them. Knowing when to be silent over our opinions. Amen? I love what Romans 14.22 says. So whatever you believe about these things, keep them between yourself and God. I think the church got wrapped up in all of these things that weren't necessarily inherently evil or weren't necessarily inherently good, and they were blah, 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 and they weren't focused on a dying world around them and building each other up in love in their congregation. So Paul said, zip it. I think we can have these conversations, but if that becomes the focus and we lose track of why we're truly here and just get wrapped up in all these useless debates, we've lost. We've lost focus. So I think that's why he said to the church, let's just drop this right now. Jewish people, Gentile people, we're saved by Christ. We have different places on these matters. Now let's serve. He wasn't saying don't call sin, sin, right? But on these disputable matters, not inherently good or evil, I think it's a time to drop it, and there can be a time to drop it. Without projecting our conscience over everyone and judging the other people. Romans 14. You then, why do you judge your brother or sister, or why do you treat them with contempt? This happens all the time, right? Look at those Instagram people. I'm more holy than them. On the other side, you have, look at this religious prude. That's wrong. That's wrong. For we all will stand before God's judgment seat. I'm not the judge of your life, thank God. You're not the judge of my life, thank God. And we'll all stand before the perfect judge one day. Amen? Amen. Making every effort to live in peace, building each other up. Romans 14, 19, let's therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. As a church, we are always gonna call sin, sin. What's clear in the word of God? We're called to do that. We can't just say matters of evil and say, well, it's up to you. No, we need to be firm with the truth of God. But while there, do you wanna eat a burger or not? We're not gonna have disfellowship over that, we shouldn't. We should have mutual love and build each other up and be led by the Holy Spirit, amen? Awesome, let's stand. Yeah, God, I, I thank you for who you are and, and I thank you for the body of Christ, God. God, we, we are diverse people and we're coming from different cultures and, and there might be certain, certain things like eating a burger where we fall in different places, God. Help us, help us to not focus on those, those useless matters, but, but hold true to your truth. Build each other up. And God, I asked you this morning to check our hearts. If we're not willing to give up our rights, for the king of the world who came down and gave everything, forgive us, God. God, that's wrong. God, I want to give up my money. I want to give up my time. I want to give up anything for you, Father. So help us to live in a way where we, we give up, we, we lay it down for our brothers and sisters in Christ, and, and we lay everything down for the sake of the gospel, God. 
God, we need to have this attitude because it's when we lose our life that we find it and we find it in you. So Father, I pray that we would be a church that would focus on what's important and we'd build each other up with the focus of reaching this lost world, laying down our life wisely and led by the Holy Spirit as we do it. Amen. Thanks for listening. If there's anything we can do to help you along in your journey, email prayer at gmchurch.ca. If you'd like to see what's coming up at Gospel Mission Church or learn more about us, visit gmchurch.ca.